welcome to the sixth and final episode of the Frontier Current Affairs Dublin Bay South by-election coverage series. I'm your host and weekly Frontier contributor, Emma. This week, I spoke to all contributors to evaluate the results and campaigns of the by-election. If you'd like to contact the podcast for any reason, please do so using the email link in the description. Thibaut Lockery, who is our Labour contributor. As you know, Thibaut, Ivana did take the seat in the Dublin Bay South by election. Can you break down how the campaign and how Labour managed to win the seat? Okay, so first of all, in terms of the campaign, there was much emphasis on the candidate herself, which was uh, Ivana Bacic. <clears throat> so she is actually from the area, um, you know, that she's kind of doing. So she's a pretty established figure. Um, a lot of the kind of like residents would have either known her personally or had her speak, and because she was from that area, she carries with her that long, um, like tradition of activism and uh, like kind of uh, movements for kind of social justice and progressive movements, like ever since her days uh, as a student. Uh, the main big story is that she was threatened with prison time for providing women on abortion services. So she would very much put her name out there uh, from the very beginning and um, essentially didn't kind of like wane out from that through throughout anything. So the name was very much established in that area. She's a very popular, very well-liked uh, candidate, you know, known by pretty much everyone there, like even outside of her associations with like the Labour Party. Like if Ivana ran as um, a, an independent, you know, she would have polled considerably better than what most independents would do generally, uh, precisely because of the, the work that she's done in the past in terms of her activism her advocacy and, you know, what she believes in and what she kind of like hopes to propel in Irish politics. In terms of the campaign, the campaign was very, was uh, a really structured one and one where they, the, the Labour Party threw everything into it along with their youth party because one of Ivana herself being a very ambitious and a very driven uh, woman, she was in it to win and the Labour Party knew that she would have been in it to win and would have supported her and all her efforts for that. And then just with the fact that because of all the other factors mentioned that she had a legitimate chance at winning this. But in terms of structure for the campaign, <clears throat> one notable aspect we can look at that really made her stand out or made her campaign stand out was this focus on environmentalism and uh, climate change uh, as a whole. So she advocated for very specific things like a cleanup of the Dublin Bay South water. And this was accompanied by initiatives like, you know, take the plunge for Havana where people were coming in the sea, going in the sea and swimming, kind of raising awareness in terms of, uh, you know, kind of the pollution for the area, but also funds uh, for the campaign. So that and along with uh, the now very iconic image of Havana uh, on a bike and kind of cycling around the place and uh, with the helmet, which, you know, featured predominantly on the stickers. So that kind of messaging and that kind of uh, imagery uh, is what a lot of voters have taken away uh, from the campaign. Uh, if we can contrast that as with uh, some of some aspects of James Gagan's campaign, and notably the 15-minute walk uh, city, so with everything being a 15-minute uh, walk, drive, uh, or cycle away. Now, that was also an initiative from the perspective of climate change and from the environment, but it wasn't as, uh, I suppose, obvious or it wasn't as uh, emphasized on by that campaign 
and it seemed rather more like just you know a good initiative but you know just another kind of like you know good initiative coming from a candidate whereas everything that ivana was doing was tied to like big major issues that are facing kind of the country and and politics and just had a lot more i suppose care and strategy in terms of the branding and like what she was actually making her campaign look like and because of that now you know so obviously she won uh, the by-election she pulled out with a strong lead ahead of Gagan and by the end of it amassed uh, 30 percent of the electorate so that's um just under 14 uh, thousand votes uh can she just barely missed uh, the quota but she still received a plurality and where her votes came from where a lot of um where the majority of her first preference came from came from people who would have given their first preferences to again the greens but a lot of Fine Gael, a lot of Fine Gael in the Dublin Bay South by-election who would have given their first preference votes uh you know to a Fine Gael candidate there this time around gave it to uh, Ivana Bacic <clears throat> again from being from a relatively middle class background but I guess going for ideals and policy that are you know in the kind of or and atmosphere Irish politics are very much more needed and these would be in areas like uh, Harold's Cross or Rat Mines. But where Ilvana really pulled through was on transfer votes. Transfer votes mainly from uh, the Green Party, like Claire Byrne outright said that um, you know people who are given her first preference should give it to Ivana, and also from Sinn Fein. So uh, people, so voters who would have put Sinn Fein as their first preference, either out of a protest vote or you know a, genu- a genuine vote for Sinn Fein, this time around did give their second preference to Ivana Bacic. But there was also a lot of second preferences from Fine Gael voters, from people who gave their first preferences to Fine Gael would have had Ivana down in their second choices uh, in the areas, namely around Pembroke. So so Ivana pulled really well in terms of attracting voters that either voted for Green, uh, predominantly in the general election, and even Fine Gael as her first preferences, and then did soared even better for, for transfers, for transfers from... Uh, mainly Sinn Féin and the Greens, but also a lot from uh, Fine Gael. And then if we look at the breakdown of the accumulation of votes from the count, uh, Ivana starts to really jump on the eight count. So that's when uh, Sarah Durkin of the Social Democrats and Bridget Purcell of, of People Before Profit. Now she was knocked out um, earlier, but a lot of her kind of like lower votes would have still transferred to Ivana and it was with a knockout of candidates from uh, Social Democrats that propels her into the 9,000s in terms of her vote. Like her vote was in and around the 8,000s and slowly climbing climbing up through that uh, as each count goes. And then with the elimination of um, of, Deirdre, of Deirdre Conroy, but which is the same round as Claire Byrne, her votes jumped from the 9,000s straight into the 13,000s. So uh, it was very much uh, a, big, a big transfer from a lot of the parties into Ivana. So it was Ivana herself kind of unified a lot of people in the Dublin Bay South electorate, and uh, that's why she uh, won the seat now. Yes, and what do you think this means to the Labour Party, and how will they use this good news story? Uh, so obviously, this is a huge morale boost for the Labour Party. They now have uh, seven uh, chalk doll- uh, dollars in the um, you know uh, in in the main uh, legislative chamber in the lower house. So one that puts them one up from uh, what people traditionally see as their uh, centre-left rivals, you know, being the Social Democrats, they now have one more uh, TD from them. And <clears throat> what we've seen from the, the Labour leadership, like Alan Kelly, when he came out and said that uh, the, the Labour Party must not remain very complacent on this one win, on this one victory. 
and they have essentially said that their now their next strategy is to uh, much articulate much more clearly and much more predominantly the message that was brought to Dublin Bay South through Ivana, but on a national level. So there is very much going to be a reconfiguration and a reorientation of uh, their strategies, their politics, and how they're going to do things and campaign on a lot of the things that uh, Ivana herself campaigned on in the Dublin Bay South election, namely uh, public housing on public land and uh, just general general environmentalism in terms of uh, pollution and uh, just general littering in the area. And that's something that could be very well map onto uh, the rest of the Irish electorate nationwide. So uh, the kind of the key things that they're going to do is take that, you know, take Havana's win and take her performance in the Dublin Bay South election and you try to say, try to apply that on a more nationwide level and uh, really use it to re, re, uh, rejuvenate the Labour Party and give it that very much needed sense uh, of vitality as a competitive party and as a party that is there for uh, people who want an alternative to Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and that have had experiences uh, in government and big successes in election. So it's uh, no, it's great news for the party and it's great news for uh, the Dumb Bay South uh, electorate who really did seem to uh, unify behind uh, this candidate. That's perfect, Tibo. Thank you for giving us that final update on Labour and Ivana Bacic in the Dumb Bay South by-election. And now we have our Fianna Fáil contributor, Emer Collins. Emer, can you evaluate how Fianna Fáil performed in this by-election? Hi, Emer. So, yeah, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, so after six weeks of patiently waiting, with many Fianna Fáil representatives from up and down the country knocking on doors, handing out leaflets, all around the Dublin Bay South area, uh, in areas such as Ratgar, Ranala and Ring's End, the election finally came around. However... It was a really poor day at the polls for Fianna Fáil and will be one election they'll be likely, they'll want to likely soon forget. Now, after the first count, Deirdre Conroy only received 1,247 votes uh, after the first count, a mere 4.6% uh, of their first preference vote, compared to the likes of Ivana Bacic and James Gagan, who received uh, their respective shares of 30.2% and 26.2% of the uh, share of the vote. So it was a long way off the uh, James Gagan and Ivana Bacic, and even far below what the Irish Times had predicted a week and a half ago, putting Deirdre Conroy on a share of 10% of the first preference. So, yeah, it was a very disappointing day uh, for Fianna Fáil and for Deirdre Con Conroy. Now, the campaign itself, it cannot be denied that it was a poor campaign for Deirdre Conroy. Deirdre struggled in TV and radio debates with nervousness, and at times she did fail to get her, point across, her points across clearly. She also had her fair share of controversial comments with her old blog resourcing where she criticised previous tenants of hers. And uh, to be fair to her, it probably was hoped by the government that indoor hospitality would be open by now and COVID would be a clearer picture. But obviously with the Delta variant, that went out the window and things are kind of up in the air. So maybe that swayed voters uh, against Fianna Fáil. But yeah, it was a very disappointing from what the Irish Times had predicted of 10% to only getting less than half of that. It was a very disappointing day and many within Fianna Fáil are now looking for answers.
So you're saving the ball looking for answers. So how party reacted to this result? Yeah, so Fianna Fáil, um, the Fianna Fáil party are in disarray and there are many pitchforks now looking at leadership and how this could happen. How could a party that had the most seats in government just poll under 5% in a by-election? And listening to many members since the election, uh, their anger is more at uh, Michal Martin and the main leadership itself than Deirdre Conroy and by-election and Fianna Fáil campaign. They think that this poor result has come from the decision to go into government with Fianna Gael under a year ago. Now, if you remember, there was a split in the Fianna Fáil party, whether that they should go into uh, government with Fianna Fáil and end all the 100-year rivalry uh, when the government talks were going on. Now, others are angry at Jim O'Callaghan, who is the sitting TD in Dublin Bay South, and he was tasked at the director of elections and at looking after this election. And as I mentioned earlier, it wasn't the most straightforward campaign for Deirdre or Fianna Fáil. But when asked about the asked about the election and uh, the very the very low poll by Fianna Fáil at the count centre after the election, he said that issues in Fianna Fáil are more serious, and that he doesn't think that Fianna Fáil understand the scale of the housing problem yet. Now, Michal Martin was getting his second vaccine in Cork over the weekend, and he's come out and defended the elections, saying that typically governments don't win by elections and they don't do well, and saying that he has every intention of leading uh, a Fianna Fáil into the next general election, which is meant to be uh, in 2024 or 2025. But pitchforks are already out, and it was reported in the Irish Times this in the Irish Independent this morning that there is a motion, there is uh, that there is attempts on the way with many members in the uh, in the parliamentary party to secure ten signatures that would that would uh, exhibit that would uh, acerbate a motion of no confidence in Michal Martin. Now, other prominent figures have come out, including Barry Cowan, and he has called for a special meeting of the party and called the result, the by-election result, both a shocking and alarming, but strangely not huge surprising. So Michal Martin is coming under fire from his own party and his leadership is again put into question. So it is interesting now how how the next, next while will play out, but definitely uh, the by-election result is not well received in the Fianna Fáil party. Thanks very much, Emer, for giving us that final update on Fianna Fáil in the Dublin Bay South by-election. Now we welcome Mark Gilfoyle, who is our Fianna Gael contributor. Mark, will Fianna Gael be happy with how the campaign progressed and the result? Yeah, well, look, they, they'll be happy with how the campaign went, I believe. I think um, they really mobilised their own base quite well um, and a lot stronger than a lot of other parties. Um Young Fine Gael and even parla- parliamentary members, uh, TDs, were very active in this campaign. And I think it went very well. They will be disappointed, though. You know, they were the favourites. Um, well, at the beginning of the race, obviously, the polls showed differently later on in the race. So they will be disappointed in that sense. But I think they'll be happy with how the campaign went. I think that James Gagan proved himself to be uh, a worthy TD. He nailed his brief quite often. And, you know, 
it's not bad for a candidate who's running for their first election to come home in second place. If this was a normal election, he would have been elected. He would have won a seat. So I think that I think that by and large, Fine Gael will be happy. Yes, and as you move on from the by-election, how will Fine Gael evaluate, evaluate this result and what does it say about their position in government? Uh, I think that the way that, that, that they'll evaluate it is that essentially they, they, they will be happy. Like They know that, that that seat is there. They won about 20, 27% odd of, of the vote in that constituency, and that's a very good position to be in. Um, that means that they will believe that they'll win a seat there at the next attempt. You know, the as I've, as we were talking about earlier on uh, during the weeks, by-election by calculations are a lot different than a normal election. Uh, and I feel that that must be pointed out so that, you know, you can't, it can't be too disheartening to, to perform at a, a level of 27 to 28% uh, of a vote share that in a normal election in any constituency will, will get you a seat. Um, so they, they won't be, they won't feel too disheartened. And also, you know, I think that we have to just say it as it is. Ivana Basic is a very good candidate. Um, you know, she is very liberal. She's got a very strong track record um, on fighting for multiple, multiple issues and multiple causes. And we already know that Dublin Bay South is one of the most liberal areas in Ireland. Um, and not only that, but she's very local to the area and, and has a lot of people and knows a lot of people in that area. So, you know, Ivana was kind of tailor-made for that constituency. So Gagan really, Gagan and Fine Gael shouldn't take it uh, as a beating, um, as some people were suggesting. Um, I definitely heard some people suggest over social media and over political commentary that, that Fine Gael should really consider this as a loss and, and thought that maybe that this would threaten Radker's status, but it really doesn't. 20, 27 to 28% of a vote share is, is very good, even if you're the favourite. That's perfect, Mark. Thank you for that final evaluation of Fine Gael in the Dunbay South by-election. Now we welcome Dylan Kelly, who is our People for Profit contributor. Dylan, how did the People for Profit candidate Bridget Purcell perform in this by-election? Hi, Emma. Um, Bridget performed reasonably well, quite similar to the People Before Profit national polling average at around 3 to 4%. The pros of that being that given the fact that she's young and inexperienced, she did do very well to keep up and maintain a strong message one of the cons of that result may be that as by-elections are typically anti-establishment and perhaps people for profit would have thought they would outperform their averages due to the nature of this election. It is likely that the anti-establishment coalesced around Labour and Sinn Féin, thus keeping Bridget out of the momentum of voters keen to move away from his current government. This may speak to a larger concern for people for profit for the next general election, as they have yet to break the barrier where voters see them as a suitable alternative. And while being an anti-establishment party will certainly bolster their existence, the high degree of the general populace keen to uproot the establishment may in fact prove to be a hindrance as those voters that people for profit needs are instead rerouting to Sinn Féin and to a lesser extent to Social Democrats and Labour. Yes, and obviously she didn't get elected, but her transfers were very influential. Where did her transfers go? 
And the clear majority of our transfers went to Sinn Féin, highlighting the anti-establishment nature of typical people before profit voters. The next cohort of notable transfers went to the Social Democrats, perhaps not unsurprisingly, and the next party to receive the most benefit from Bridget's transfers were Labour. Over 70% of transfers went to Sinn Féin, the Social Democrats and Labour combined. The general people before profit narratives tends to steer away from the thought of working with those parties. But I think those transfers portray a very telling narrative of what the voters of people before profit want in terms of a government co coalition and may be quite telling come the next government formation. It is worth noting that from Bridget's Twitter feed that people for profit and Bridget do not see eye to eye with Labour or Ivana Bakchik to say the least. So Labour receiving the third highest amount of transfers from Bridget may come as a surprise and would perhaps prompt a discussion in People for Profit about how they wish to go forwards interacting with other possible partners before the next general election. And as we can see from the fallout from Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael recently, the next election may come sooner rather than later. So this is a thought worth thinking of now. Yes, and speak of next general election, do you think there's a future in politics for Bridget Purcell? Uh, on a personal level, I would hope so. Out of all the candidates, she was the most relatable to the average person in terms of income earnings and age. I also really did appreciate her thoughts on um, the, the new girl boss narrative that seems to be portrayed. While Bridget was amongst several women in this election, in terms of her privilege or lack of in life, it was quite notable to, let's say, Sarah Durkin or Ivana, Ivana Bakshik. So hopefully the younger generation may start to see uh, stronger forms of representation across the board in terms of different social demographics. That's perfect, Dylan. Thank you for giving us that final update on People for Profit in the Dublin Bay South by-election. And now we have Thibaut Lockery, who is our Sinn Féin contributor this week. Thibaut, many people stated that this by-election was a race, a straight race between Fine Gael and Sinn Féin. And as we saw on Friday, this, this didn't play out. Can you explain the reasons for this? Uh, yeah, so just to brief us on the kind of figures and the context of this, so Sinn Féin polled with 16% of the electorate, uh, that was the votes that took home by Lynn Boylan, and took home, uh, you know, hauled about 5,300 uh, votes herself. So this puts her roughly in line with what the Irish Times uh, poll predicted, like ever so slightly higher, but way off of some of the earlier polls that we've seen that really did suggest that this was a two- um, you know, two-horse race between uh, Sinn Féin and Fine Gael as it was generally trying to be portrayed. <clears throat> and the reasons for this, if we can actually just look at the areas in Dublin Bay South where a majority uh, voted, like so where the majority, so which party received a majority of votes in that area. For Sinn Féin, it was essentially identical to their performance in the general election. So <clears throat> these would be areas such as the Docklands and uh, Harold's Cross and the uh, the south side of the city centre, uh, all those areas that would have given Sinn Féin their first preference vote in the general election did so again in the Dublin Bay South by-election. So again, it's very indicative of a protest vote in these cases. So kind of like people uh, wanting to kind of break away from the, the usual parties of uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. Where it does become interesting then is where the other preferences split from there. So in the in the general election 2020, there was a bit of a split um, in where second preferences went. Some areas went to Fine Gael, some areas went to Labour, and a good few more areas went to Greens. But this time around, in this election, the second preference votes um, from Sinn Féin uh, went pretty much in predominantly to Ivana Bacic in Labour. So that's where that vote went in 
um, in terms of second preferences from people who would have put Sinn Féin at number one. Uh, and then the final interesting thing to note is the third party is the third preferences of people who vote in the areas of people who gave Sinn Féin their first preference uh, vote. Again, it was very split in the generation 2020. Uh, a lot more Greens popping up and some independents. Uh, but this time around, a dumb base out, he turned preference votes. A lot of Sinn Féin people uh, who gave Sinn Féin their first preference voters in these areas actually went to Fine Gael themselves. So you could see how this would be people who were generally uh, wouldn't be as predominantly Sinn Féin voters. Uh, going for that again is in their protest. But it generally did not kind of uh, play out in the rest of the Dublin Bay uh, south uh, south area as we've as seen because in the, in the other areas in the general election for 2020 it voted a majority for Greens so majority areas would have gone to the Greens and so now when we talk about a protest vote with a candidate such as Ivana from Labour who is well known in the constituency uh, voters who would have given their vote to the Green Party and then felt a bit aggrieved or betrayed by uh, their you know coalition with Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil would have felt a lot more comfortable and confident and um, legitimate in voting for uh, Labour in this time around, you know, being a well-known, well-liked candidate and a serious candidate in this election. So that's why we would we didn't see the uh, proliferation of Sinn Féin voters kind of coming out and giving their first preference votes to Sinn Féin in a way that many uh, would have given to James Gagan naturally and you know, thus diminishing that uh, two-horse race between <clears throat> Fine Gael and Jane Faye. So it was generally predominantly, it, it came down to the, the voters and what they've actually always um, leaned towards or given their preferences uh, towards. <clears throat> so yeah, so essentially they kept uh, their voting base from the general election of 2020. It's a mainly as a protest vote, but in all the other areas, um, they would have generally other, uh, would have gone to Labour as their protest votes because they were uh, green voters, so the most of the areas would have given their first preferences to the Greens in the election of in the general election of 2020. So that's why uh, we're seeing that shift now in the Dublin based on by election. Yes, and how will Sinn Fein learn from this by election? What will their evaluation be? Uh, so what we've seen from the commentary, Sinn Fein uh, seem pretty content with the results of the election. Uh, they're satisfied first and foremost that uh, James Gagan did not win it. And that it did not go to uh, primarily that it did not go to a government seat, uh, but then specifically a Fine Gael seat again after um, <clears throat> you know the seat was advocated by um, a Fine Gael uh, TD, but also a former housing minister in that area. So Sinn Fein aren't uh, there's no real indication of how they're gonna like look at the strategy in terms of national elections or what they kind of plan to implement. Like we've seen Mary Lou McDonald kind of come out. And saying that the government is on borrowed time, and that um, you know essentially they're like losing the confidence of the electorate. So what I think Sinn Fein would be hoping and vying for at this present moment would be uh, an election sometime soon, like some kind of snap election, um, is what's really gonna is what would benefit Sinn Fein at this uh, very moment. Like there's this um, like there is now this aura of. A possibility for change now, you know, like Fine Gael losing in their heartland area and an important seat there too, an opposition party, a predominantly uh, more uh, left-wing and even in certain cases socialist party. And so <clears throat> uh, coming riding off of that, uh, we might be able to see somewhat replication of the 2020 general election where uh, people would see people 
outside of the area would kind of view Sinn Féin as the kind of viable uh, party of protest or the uh, actual, the only other party with an actual chance of leading a government in terms of size, in terms of how many candidates that they're able to run and how big the party uh, is itself. <clears throat> but other than that, there is no real indication of how Sinn Féin plan on using this in terms of their um, voting, uh, of in terms of their strategy and in terms of their of their messaging. Their messaging seems to be pretty firmly that this was very much um, a message to the government and a message that the government currently is working anymore and people are looking for something different. And I think that can be somewhat seen in the uh, candidate selection and the choice uh, to run. So uh, good, uh, great, uh, great candidate, uh, Lynn Boylan, like, you know, senator experience, much like uh, Ivana Bacic, but, um, you know, would not traditionally be a candidate that would be selected to go in that constituency uh, in all other cases. So I think that's what we're going to see with Sinn Féin now and their direction. And it's, it's mainly going to be them calling for <clears throat> or, um, <clears throat> you know, calling for either a snap election and just generally putting the message out there that the public have lost confidence and lost faith uh, in this current government. Thank you very much, Thibault, for giving us that update on um, Sinn Féin in the Dublin Bay South by-election. And now we welcome Adam O'Donoghue, who is our Social Democrats contributor. Adam, how did Social Democrats candidate Sarah Durkin perform this by-election? Um, so um, this election was not uh, a great one for the Social Democrats. As I said, when the polls came out, uh, uh, they stayed determined, but at the end of the day, when it came to the, the polls in the ballot box, and uh, Social Democrats didn't perform as well as they would have hoped to. Um, even comparing to the general election, I understand by-elections and general elections are different. There's only one seat up for grabs in a by-election. There's a few more in a general election, particularly four in uh, Dublin Bay South. But even just comparing her performance from last, uh, from last year in the 2020 general election, Sarah Durkin got 4.5% in the general election last year. She only received 3.2% this year in the by-election. Now, is there a connection? Not necessarily. Uh, uh, I can't really map that out. You know, um, again, as I said, they're different. So you can't really see a correlation. You don't know if this is bad for her, if it's good for her, if she's really dropped points or not, her popularity. Um because when there's a by-election, people have to be very decisive with who they're voting. Swing voters as well. As we know, if I have 2% of the first preference vote, which is insane compared to what Labour candidate Kevin Humphreys got last year, which was 7.9, right? And you also see Fianna Fáil dropping hugely as well from 13.8% with Jim O'Callaghan to 4.6% with Deirdre Connor, right? So so it, it's an election that's very different than a general election. Things happen and it gets messy. Um, also, it's known that government parties don't tend to win um, by election. So you have a load of factors there, right? But yes, with the Social Democrats, Sarah Durkin's vote share has dropped. Is that because of Ivana Batrick? Did Ivana Batrick take a few swing voters to the left? There was also problems, people criticised uh, Sarah Durkin for not differentiating herself enough from leftist parties as well. But yeah, so after the first count, she had 849 votes. Then after the next election, uh, next elimination, she had 852 and that progressed and progressed. And 
on from that, where did Sarah Durkin transfers go and how do they influence the count and how might this reflect her future in politics? Sarah Durkin's transfers, they they did spread out, but they mostly went to Ivana Bacic. I mean, she got a big gain uh, from Sarah Durkin. Uh, from what I'm seeing, when I'm looking at stats here, I think I can see that Sarah Durkin, 500 votes went to um, Ivana Bacic from Sarah Durkin. Now, Sarah Durkin only had 1,111 votes, so um, that's quite a steady number compared to the candidate in second, James Gagan, who only got um, 46 votes from Sarah Durkin. Look, the, you have to understand the dynamic between Labour and the Social Democrats to see where the transfers were going. And we always knew that um, they're very similar parties with, with uh, a background that's similar, a lot of Social Democrats or former Labour Party members, you know. So we'd know they're friendly again. And Sarah Durkin did... Uh, congratulate Ivana Bacic as well very early on said that she was pleased that Ivana Bacic had won and she actually had said that she would be very excited if Ivana Bacic was to be the TD who'd be elected if Sarah was not to be elected so she was she was going to be uh, Sarah Durkin's favourite anyway so she'd indicated to her voter base that she would like Ivana Bacic to to be the, the to be the TD if, if it was not to be Sarah Durkin which could then uh, initiate a sort of social contract of if you're going to vote for me number one give Ivana a number two you know that's perfect Adam for giving us that update on the social democrats in the Dublin Bay South by-election and now we welcome Atikan Ozan who is our Green Party contributor Atikan how did the Green Party candidate Councillor Claire Byrne perform in this by-election Hi to all our listeners. Well, um, when the Ipsos MRBI poll came out last week and it showed that Councillor Claire Byrne was on 11% for first preference votes, it seems she was in the mix, but she wasn't really contending for the seat itself. But on transfers, she seemed to be doing really well. She was on 25% for second preference votes on that poll and 25% for third preference votes. So it seems she would be in the mix for a solid result. But having said that, I'm not sure that 8% of first preference votes in the by-election or 2,157 first preference votes in the first count will be considered a successful result. Whilst the Green Party leadership seemed to talk, especially Eamon Ryan saying it was a very successful campaign for Councillor Clareborn, I'm not sure whether you could class this as a successful campaign for Councillor Clareborn because the leader himself, Eamon Ryan, whilst he's the leader and obviously would have an advantage, he himself in last year's general election as one single candidate in the first count got elected with 22.4% of first preference votes, which begs the question, could a second candidate have got elected that time? And that's a big question. So this result in, first, in terms of first preference votes in this by-election is 14.4% down on their result last year in last year's election in Dublin Bay. So, so if I were to sum it up, I would say it's a slightly unsuccessful campaign. It is a solid result without any doubt. But if you look at the other candidates, particularly in Ivana Bacic, who's I think fought from Councillor Clareborn heavily went to, she won 30.2% of first preference votes compared to 26.2% of first preference votes for uh, Fine Gael candidate James Gagan, whilst um, Sinn Féin candidate Lynn Boylan won 
15.8% of the vote. So I'm actually quite surprised that they seem to class this as a successful campaign. And I would expect that they would be more worried about the result because if I recall correctly, on Virgin Media News last night, Gavin Riley, political correspondent for Virgin Media News, interestingly mentioned, could this be the end of the green wave? And that certainly begs the question, is it the end of the green wave? Because whilst they seem to be performing fairly solidly on the polls for the state of play of the party in, the, in nationwide, this begs the question, are they struggling to um, maintain their vote that they got from the green wave? in the election last year and in the local elections in 2019 and the European elections. So I think that's definitely something they've got to be worried about and something they definitely have to review. And what do these results mean for the government parties and should they be worried? I think uh, in terms of the government parties, I think they definitely have to be worried to some extent because if you class all their votes combined, James Gagan himself got 26.2% of first preference votes, while Councillor Claire Byrne got 8% of first preference votes, while Deirdre uh, Conroy for Fianna Fáil got 4.6% of first preference votes. So that adds up to around 39% of combined total first preference votes for the government. So if you ask me, I don't think it's really something they'll be really, really alarmed about, but I think it's definitely something they're going to have to be worried about. Interestingly, Sinn Féin President Mary Lou Macdonald said this, that this result proves that the government is, is hanging on with a tread. She said something along the lines of that. So that kind of proves the point that the opposition are going to use this to drive home their idea, especially Sinn Féin, that there's the need for an election and the need for change. And I think the Green Party are going to struggle now to defend themselves from the, from the chaos that they've experienced in government for the past year. So I think definitely they're going to have to pay attention to the concerns and especially in this constituency as it's the leadership, um, the leader, Eamon Ryan's constituency. And he will really have to work hard in the next election to retain his seat and he cannot take his eye off the ball. And I think also if you look at Councillor Clareburn's future as a potential um, running mate to Eamon Ryan in the constituency, I think it's highly unlikely now, particularly after this result, that she will be a running mate to Eamon Ryan in the coming future because Eamon Ryan will be focusing on retaining his seat since he's been elected in that constituency in 2016 and he got elected in that election. And then last year he retained his seat with 22.2% uh, of the vote or just over 22% of the vote. So I think they'll definitely be paying attention to that. And also the government, are they on life support that's something really interesting to note because in the past year they've really experienced a lot of chaotic um experiences especially on housing and issues to do with that and issues on the cuckoo funds particularly with housing so i think they're definitely going to be on a real real they're living really on a tread right now but then on the contrary by-elections are always seen as something of um chaotic elections and they spring up really surprise elections and they're known as second order elections. So I don't think they'll be particularly alarmed because it's a by-election, but I think Fine Gael particularly will be alarmed. That's perfect. Atikan, thank you very much for this contribution and all your contributions on Green Party, Councillor Clareburn, can 
um, in the Dublin Bay South by-election. Next up, we welcome Patrick Sharkey, who is our Aim To and Independent contributor. Patrick, will Aim To be happy with the their campaign, the Dublin Bay South by-election, and will they be happy with the result? Um, Pollard Sabine has made it clear on social media that he is very, very happy with the result. Um, pointing out that um, RTE excluded coverage from Aim To, yet they pulled higher than both the Social Democrats and Solidarity People Before Profit who were featured in RT interview usually known for the election. So in that regards, um, they're maybe, you know, beating the curve and maybe, you know, it maybe shows the power of alternative sources of media, perhaps. Um, but look, I, yeah, I'm sure they're probably, look, you know, as they say, Michael Coran saying, you know, it's only ever going to be the winners who are going to be happy. But, you know, um, it's definitely um, progress for them going forward and they didn't contest the that constituency in the 2020 general elections so it's maybe you know it's a work in progress for them it's only baby steps for them for them at the minute so look into knew they weren't going to get elected but it's about putting out the name within the Dublin Bay South constituency and um they're probably aiming to get a seat within the constituency within the next 10 years I'm sure the people of Dublin Bay South will be very sad to see those lovely posters go, but <laughs> um, I suppose they probably win the prize for the best um, caption on a poster. And also you are also our independent contributor. So one independent, there was lots of independents that took part in this by-election, yeah. that ran this by-election, but one that did make a significant impact was Mannix Flynn. And he received 3.3% at the final tally. So what impact did this have on the count? Well, a lot of his transfer votes went back to James Gogan, the Fine Gael candidate, and that definitely um, dragged out the race. You know, while Labour were holding and Batchik, you know, there was all this momentum going. You know, they dragged it out. They got more counts there, and definitely, you know, um, you know, I'm sure, sure James Gogan probably owes Mannix Flynn a pint after, um, you know, keeping him in the race there. And um, there's definitely. A good bit of a you know so he would definitely take credit for that you know but um it's very hard as it independent to run on a by-election when you know transfer votes don't have a, a major impact you know unless it's really close but um he you know will hang out with his head held high you know um highest independent uh, and of course you know been better than free um parties that have representatives in the Doyle in the form of into social democrats and solidarity people for profit and and um, many independents as well thank you very much patrick for giving us that final update in the dublin Bay South by election and we won't be talking to you soon but thank you very much that's it for the second season of the frontier current affairs podcast Thanks to all our contributors and editors who managed to produce this podcast and contribute every week while balancing full-time, part-time jobs, as well as masters and internships. Thanks again, everyone. We hope you enjoyed season two of the Frontier Current Affairs podcast. Please follow the podcast on all the relevant platforms to be the first to hear about season three. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.